Hello and welcome to the latest DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Claire Laver, Head of Markets and Strategy for Fraud in the Claim Solutions Group of DAC Beechcroft. In this episode, Mark Gallagher, a partner in our coverage and liability team, is joined by Jacob Bebb, an associate in his team, to discuss how the sinking of the Titanic can be used to demonstrate property fraud and the implications of this today. This is the third in a series of podcasts that we will be making on property insurance fraud, so please follow us on Lawcast for further information on this topic. Well, hi again, Jacob. Um, Here we are again. Uh, So what would you like to talk about this week? Hi, Mark. As it's December, I thought we could put a bit of a twist on our podcast series by talking about a conspiracy theory that the sinking of the Titanic was an attempted insurance fraud gone wrong and its implications for property fraud in the 21st century. What? what? Did, you, did you just say a theory that the sinking of the Titanic was attempted insurance fraud? Uh, yes, I did. We're all familiar with the tragedy of the Titanic, which sank on its maiden voyage in 1912 after colliding with an iceberg, resulting in a large loss of life. Well, there is actually a conspiracy theory that the Titanic was actually its sister ship, the Olympic, and her owners were planning to sink the ship deliberately to claim on the insurance, but the scheme went wrong after the collision with the iceberg. To explain by way of background, Titanic was the second of three ships built in Belfast for her owners, the White Star Line, to assist in making the company the best shipping line in the lucrative North Atlantic passenger trade. The Olympic was built and launched first and was already in service when Titanic was completed. However, she was involved in a collision with a British warship which rammed her, causing damage to the hull and necessitating repairs to be carried out in Belfast. There's a famous picture of the two ships side by side, one being repaired and the other being completed. This is where the conspiracy theory starts. It has been alleged that the Olympic was actually damaged beyond economic repair, rendering her uninsurable and incapable of passing a Board of Trade safety inspection. Therefore, According to the theory, the owners decided to swap the damaged Olympic with the brand new Titanic and sink her out at sea so that the owners could claim on the insurance money. It was never intended for passengers and crew to lose their lives, of course, as they were supposed to be transferred to another ship, but the plan went drastically wrong when the ship hit the iceberg, tragically resulting in a large loss of life. Well, that's uh, that's very interesting, uh, I have to say. I've never heard of this before. Um, Just checking now, do you actually believe this theory? Not at all. It's just a fringe theory and there is no evidence whatsoever to prove that the ships were swapped or that the owners attempted to commit insurance fraud. There's plenty of evidence proving that the sinking was just a a genuine tragic accident. But putting my insurance lawyer hat on, there is one key thing I would like to focus on for the purpose of this podcast. The Titanic was significantly underinsured. At one of the two inquiries into the sinking, the vice president of the ship's owners confirmed that the ship cost around £1.5 million to build, but it was only insured for £1 million, with the balance being carried by the company, and there was no insurance at all for the cargo. In other words, the Titanic was only insured for two-thirds of a rebuild cost, and the £500,000 shortfall would amount to over £67 million in modern money. In my view, this is key for showing that there was no attempted insurance fraud, because if, hypothetically speaking, the owners had wanted to commit fraud, they would presumably not have left the ship so underinsured and carried such a large financial risk themselves, especially considering the negative publicity and reputational issues that could and did in fact result from the sinking. 
All right. Interesting. I have to say, um, quite, quite reassuring, Jacob, your answer there. Um, what I'd like to know though is how is that relevant for considering property fraud in the 21st century? Well, the reason it's relevant is because when you're considering whether the policyholder has committed fraud, you always have to ask what the benefit they would gain from doing so is, as the purpose of insurance is to put the policyholder in the position they were in before the insured peril occurred. You recall from our first podcast that the majority of property fraud that we see is exaggeration of claims, and we also talked in our second podcast about suppression of policy defences. In both of those types of cases, the policyholder will be getting an additional benefit they would not otherwise be entitled to, whether by receiving additional monies that insurers are simply not obliged to pay, or suppressing a policy defence and getting the benefit of insurance cover for a claim when insurers are actually entitled to decline indemnity. However, in the case of staged incidents, the situation is more complicated. If a policyholder deliberately burns down their house, for example, they're only going to recover, at best, the cost of rebuilding the property to its pre-incident condition, and they actually carry a significant risk of not receiving anything at all, as insurance companies have significant resources and technology to investigate suspicious claims. Staged incidents do occur, of course, particularly in cases of contents claims where policyholders are seeking new fraud replacements. However, where the claim concerns high-value damage to buildings and large structures, it can be harder for the policyholder to financially benefit from the fraud, and they run the risk of being left without a home or a business premises to trade from. Therefore, when considering potential staged incidents, insurers should always put themselves in the position of the policyholder and ask themselves what benefit the policyholder would gain from deliberately destroying their own property. And of course, if under insurance is a big factor, the policyholder will almost certainly end up being significantly out of pocket. That's excellent. Thanks, Jacob. I say reassured by uh, your view on this. Um, that's been really helpful. And uh, Merry Christmas. Likewise, Mark. Thank you. <laughs>